Hey everybody, welcome to UFC Unfiltered. There will be some profanity. Matt Serra is away with Dana White, but he does give a quick call in, and uh, the great Eddie Alvarez comes in and hangs out for about 45 minutes. Eddie's awesome, and a real good interview, and a really good dude. So, um, I don't know why I'm just fucking babbling. I should have just said Eddie Alvarez and Matt Serra and shut my fat face. UFC and digital media present UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra, powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt Serra. All right. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Uh, it's only me, Jim Norton. Matt died. Sad tale, but we move on. You're going to be missed, Matt. No, he's away taping with Dana, so we're supposed to get a call from Matt in a little while. Um, we're going to see what happens. And we have the great Eddie Alvarez coming in, which I'm really happy. He's going to be in studio. We've already talked to Eddie on the phone. And phoners are hard. I've been doing radio for a long time. And even doing radio for a long time, it's hard for me to talk on the phone when I'm not in the studio. There's certain guys that are just great on the phone. Bill Burr, comedian Bill Burr. If you don't know who Bill Burr is, you're just a bit of a dope. Uh, he's a hilarious comedian, and he's fucking great on the phone. Bill can literally just own the room. Dude, I'm watching soccer. And, like, you're interested. He's just good. The cocksucker's just good at talking. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay, arguably the best phone guest in history. He could own the entire room for, uh, as well. On the, You know, hey, is there any girls in there? And you're like, yeah, it's my wife. How big's her tits? And like, within a minute, you're telling him everything, and, and the whole room is his. Jay Moore, another great phone guest. Jim Norton, not so much. Not a great phone guest. Uh, hopefully, Matt Sarah will be, or he'll be drummed off this podcast immediately, cracking down. But he's away fucking around with Dana. I don't know exactly where they are. Um, a couple of quick things to get out of the way. I always forget to plug my gigs. So if you're a big Jim Norton fan, and how could you not be? I mean, if you have ears... Um, I'm coming up to Buffalo, the 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, because I'm shooting a new one-hour special, and um, not much shooting it in Buffalo over four nights, but I'm warming up for it now, and then I go to Australia, Melbourne and Sydney, so go to jimnorton.com to get tickets, Minneapolis and Pittsburgh coming up, Toronto coming up, whole bunch of great gigs, getting ready for this special, I'm very psyched to be shooting another special, so if you want to check me out, you know... Uh, feel free. That's your business. I'm not going to tell you uh, that you shouldn't. I think I should start with this one. Uh, what do you think? I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, before we talk about the uh, the fights, because I did watch the uh, most of the fights on Fox Sports One. Not all of them, but I watched a lot of them. And I, it's so hard in this day and age to avoid Twitter because I really am like a. I, I don't want the fight spoiled for me. I don't want to know who won. I'm just like a boy. I want eagerness and excitement. By the way, on Twitter. Okay, I, we don't need to hear, fucking Matt, man, the show sucks without you. I know a bunch of those are going to come in. Probably from Dana and me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, listen, let me apologize in advance for a couple of things. Uh, number one, I'm going to be sniffling a lot this show. I have shit sinuses to begin with, but we're not in the room that we're normally in because we're taping at a different time because we were going to accommodate uh, Eric Andre. Did I mention him yet? No, it didn't come up yet. Brilliant comedian. Really, really funny comedian. He has a show uh, called The Eric Andre Show. I'm plugging it even though he's not here. He was supposed to come in. 
and we juggle the time because he's very busy doing press. But the problem is Delta had major problems today for whatever reason, and he got stuck coming out of Orlando, so he won't make it today. So we're still taping in a weird time, and now we're in a different room, and there's some, I don't know, I'm going to say the guy's name, some bum doing a basketball podcast. In the room, Matt and I usually do. But this is typically his time, and I'm not in a position to say, get the fuck out of here. By the way, as I said that, my headphones fell off. Thank God we're videotaping this. I'm doing this in this giant room with couches and dander. What, what, what do they shoot here? What do they shoot, like cat fucking porn videos? There's like, there's all animal hair in this room. I can't breathe. I, I just feel like maybe it hasn't been vacuumed in a little bit, but... When? You know, maybe Since the mid-80s? Yeah. Very frustrating. I was just going to say, by the way, I texted Matt. Uh, he's on the bike He's working out. He's going to be done in a few minutes, so we'll be, we'll be talking to Matt very okay. soon. Okay, Matt, Matt likes to ride the bike. What he has to do after he works out is he puts the seat back on. <laughs> Matt enjoys a good seatless bicycle. Uh, remember that old joke? You take the seat off and you aim for the railroad tracks? That was an oldie but a goodie. And uh, so I apologize in advance. If I'm sniffling, is that a popular podcast they do in there? It couldn't be. Yeah, honestly, it is a it is a very popular okay. podcast. Yeah, it's that, a vertical with Woj. It's a very popular basketball podcast. Okay, I don't know much too. about that. Now, did I tell you... That I did, uh, I did shows in Montreal, Canada with a, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Griffin. Uh, oh, Blake Griffin. Did yeah. I tell you this? You mentioned that he has really good comedic timing, yeah. And I didn't know he was a fucking basketball player. I'm so stupid. I don't know a lot about sports. I mean, people look at me and they're like, well, Jim, you're a natural athlete. I'm not. This is like a weird body I have, but it's not, it's, it's not as athletic as you, as you think. I think we should talk about the fights because, again, I was very busy. What night were they, Saturday night? Yeah, they were on Saturday night. I, I was doing shows, and I finally came home and watched. I did not watch the prelims because I had to get up Sunday morning for something. So I said, I wanted to watch the main card. I did watch, uh, uh, I'm going to take a shot at this name, Turoto uh, Ishihara and Horatio uh, Gutierrez. Yeah, Gutierrez. Oh, yeah. Gutierrez, okay. And um, that was a uh, prelim fight. It was featherweight fight. And I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, uh, Ishihara won, but uh, what I really cared about uh, was the fact that he uh, he said he doesn't care about winning the belt. Do you remember that? Um, he's in fighting for the women and the money. <laughs> he's being honest, right? Yeah, he doesn't give a shit about the belt. So that makes me really happy. I mean, that's exactly why I do this podcast. It's for the women and the money. If you knew, pardon my French, the pussy that's rolled in. Since I've started this, it's it's been really a lot of women. There's a line around the corner. It's yeah, yeah. It's just one fat girl who's stretching around the corner. That's a lame joke, but I did it anyway. Hold on. I'm so OCD. I just dropped my napkin. I'm just holding it like fucking Captain Quig at the end of the cane mutiny. There's no reason for me to be holding this stupid napkin, dude. Matt, the show is terrible without you. <laughs> dropped his fucking napkin. He picked it up. I want to talk a little bit about the main card. Uh, I thought there was some really good, a lot of uh, decisions. Uh, Mariana Moroz versus Danielle Taylor, strawweight fight, the first one of the night on the uh, on the main card. Danielle Taylor, she's a prison guard, and she's five feet tall, and that's like right under five feet. Kind of classifies you. Does that classify you as a little person, or is it four foot something? Yeah, I'm sure it's four foot something. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. Because, but. you know, and I'm not even, I'm not making fun of her. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, you don't realize, when you hear five feet, you don't realize, like, that. Like she was giving away seven inches to, um, to Morose. And it was a really interesting fight. Seven inches is a lot. I mean, Danielle Taylor is a very, 
very tough person. But it seems like she spent a lot of the uh, first couple rounds really trying to navigate that, that reach difference. And, um, you know, I, I think the referee, I hadn't really heard the referee ever say this in an MMA match, but he kept saying, engage, engage. Um, so I guess he, was, he saw them, you know, kind of feeling each other out. I was more surprised that Moreau's doing that because when you have a seven-inch reach advantage, you figure you want to capitalize and go in. She must have been, because Danielle Taylor throws, like, I think it's a right-handed fucking haymaker. She, she obviously really hits hard when she connects. But she was doing this, uh, you know, she started throwing more punches at the beginning of the second. But I, I, she was like really overly concerned. Oh, good, my agent, by the way, just says, you know, my agent calls while I'm doing the pod. That's how in touch with my career my agent is. I'm not going to answer it. But she was really concerned with, with the reach advantage. And I think she was nervous. I believe it was her first UFC fight, right? Yes. First, she's fought before, but this was her first. It was her debut, yeah. Yeah, her debut in the UFC. And she was doing this thing, which the more fights you watch, like when I hear Rogan or, or, or someone analyze a fight, they notice things I will never notice. But the more you watch, like I noticed, did you notice she was doing this thing where she was pulling her head back and then throwing the punch? Like her head was really cocking back and almost telegraphing everything she was going to do. And I think, again, that might have just been a little jitters or inexperience or just the fear of that seven-inch reach difference with uh, you know, uh, you know, a bona fide UFC uh, Sorry to fighter. cut you off. Uh, Sweet Matt Sarah is available. We're going to call him right now. Oh, okay, let me just let's finish up with this fight. Uh, because I, I just wanted to say that uh, I, she kept throwing uh, uh, the big right, and she had halfway decent success. But I, I think she needs to work on her wrestling because I think she was afraid of going uh, down to the ground. And um, that ducking to overcompensate, uh, it really made it look like she was almost flailing a bit. And uh, I think the best part of round three was seeing the ad for UFC Unfiltered. Did, did you catch really that? Yes, I did. Uh, with Matt Sarah and myself. And uh, I, to be honest, I thought Moroz could have been a little bit more aggressive. But it was a really good strawweight fight. That strawweight division is getting more and more interesting. There's so many people I enjoy watching now. And uh, here's another thing before we get to Matt. Is uh, Moroz won by a split decision which was a, a, a shock. I, I'm surprised at some of the uh, split decisions that they are giving out. I, th- I thought that was clearly her fight. Yeah, well, this is something we could talk about later with the, uh, the rules being modified now. They voted on that. Yeah, they're trying to figure it out because it, it's crazy, some of the split decisions that you see when somebody's clearly in control of the fight. I miss my pal Matt Serra today. It's not the same doing it without him, as I've said before. And uh, here's why I miss Matt. You're going to understand it's not going to be the same. Be unique, look good, feel good. Listen to this deal we have for you, my friends. You can get a one-of-a-kind, made-to-measure suit from... Indochino. Not the same, is it? Chris just can't do the Indochino thing. I apologize to Indochino. This is where Matt Sarah comes in handy. You can do it, and I'm not going to try to criticize you. Thank you. Indochino is reinventing men's fashion and a made-to-measure suit. It's really the best suit you're ever going to own. So suit up, you silly geese. You can customize the details that you want. You pick your lining, your personal monogram, your lapels, and more. 14 unique measurements are what goes into making a suit that fits you perfectly. You can't go wrong with a well-crafted 100% merino wool suit. Also, check out their made-to-measure dress shirts and men's accessories. They really do have a lot of great, great stuff. Made-to-measure suits, they're now affordable and available to the masses thanks to... Indochino. Boo! We want Matt! I do, too. (laughs) It looks great. It feels great. When you look good, you're going to feel good, and you're going to feel confident. I'm not a confident person. Like People look to me, and they think... I should be humiliated all the time. I'm not always humiliated, but I'm certainly not confident. I kind of languish in like, 
Like, I feel okay if no one looks. But when I feel good, when I'm better dressed, and if I have a suit that fits me, I actually do feel somewhat attractive. I'm, I'm humiliated to admit that, but it's uh, good for me, it's good for you. You feel better when you look good and you're wearing clothes that fit you properly. Nothing worse than a guy thinking he looks good in a suit, and you look like you're wearing your fucking dad's suit because the sleeves are too long. You know, you ever see a guy like that? Oh, I don't wear suits very often. Obviously not, douche. Maybe I shouldn't be cursing during the read, but too bad. So here's the deal, my friends, and there is a money-back guarantee, which we love. Today, our listeners are going to get any premium suit for just $399. That's up to 50% off at Indochino.com when you enter UFC at checkout. Plus, shipping is free, as I've said. There's no reason not to try your first custom-made suit with a deal this good. And a suit classic from their premium collection. It's going to feel good, look good, and most importantly, it's going to last. I bought a suit one time. I put it on. The sleeves fell off. That's Indochino.com, promo code UFC for any premium suit for only $399 plus free shipping. That's amazing. What's the name of this? It's Indochino. Uh, I'm trying. Just, I know, but Matt. Indochino? I can't even do it. That's a Matt Sarah specialty. You look good your way. Your look your way. I said you look good, and then I realized I screwed it up. But I'm going to keep this in. This is all part of the read. You guys are getting a two and a half hour read. Indochino, your look, period. Your way, period. UFC at checkout. Yes, and our guest, I believe, has arrived and he's going to use the restroom. Yeah. And whenever he wants to come in, he can come in and uh, he can join our phone call. Uh, we have uh, my coworker who's off just fucking around, hanging out with Dana. Hi, Matt, Sarah. How are you? All right, cool. That's actually the most interesting thing that's said in, in a while. Dial tone. Don't give his number out. You can't hit that button on the air. Because these fucking sleuths say here, doot, 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 and they tell you gave someone's number out. Hi, Eddie. Welcome to the show. Lightweight champion uh, Eddie Alvarez. Is sit, sit down. We're going to call you Matt Sarah, who's usually here. We're on the air. Oh, Thank you for coming, buddy. He's probably eating somewhere, huh? No, he's with uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> we're trying to get him on the phone. He was on the, uh, the exercise bike. Here we go. We're about to get him. Okay. Hello. Hello, Matt Sarah. How are you? Oh, I feel like I'm a guest. I know it's hard. We're nice to you're hard to get actually. Um, Eddie Alvarez oh, is here with me, Matt. Oh, Eddie, what's up, champ? What's up, my man? Do you guys know on, each other? Man. What's up, guys? So I wasn't I uh, wasn't good enough to for you to bless me with your presence. Obviously, you got, oh, dude, man. You got big I'm time actually, on me, man. <laughs> I'm actually that's awesome that you're in there, dude. It's it, it, it's a uh, it's a fun place. Uh, I'm not I'm, in our normal I'm room, though, Matt. Man. No, I, li- I like what? this place. The toilets sit don't fit the toilet. It's, kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's my, it's my, it's my, it's my kind of joint. It's like the house I grew up in. Did you notice that the toilet seat's like four <laughs> inches too short? I noticed. I use toilet paper to pick it up, so I don't piss you got, on my you fingers. Got, yeah, you guys got to get a, a Wait, little bit toilet, more of a budget for what? this. <laughs> the toilet seat falls short of the rim, so when you reach under, you have to scoop your finger under, and you get piss all over your fingers. So I had to yeah, use toilet you paper. Know, you know what I? These goddamn do, budget like, cuts, like, man. They get you every time. I kind of lift my ass up a little bit and try to, so I don't get any my knuckles wet or anything. Oh, you don't. It's all. It's it's a weird. Yeah, they could have done better with the toilet, you know. And I'm always and it's always hot in that bathroom. They leave the window open on a hot day, and I'm I'm shitting, I'm sweating. I don't know what the fuck's going on in there. Matt's a fucking Matt's an animal. He really is. He comes in fucking animal, sweating from his nipples. I miss you too. It's weird not having you here. I could. I know, man. Listen, I'm in Sturgis, man. I'm with a bunch of fucking crazy motorcycle people. And we're, we're filming uh, Dana White looking for a fight out here. We're having a fucking blast. Oh, okay. Um, when are you coming I, back? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make you... I, I have a great time with you. 
Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> Me and Eddie are complaining I mean, about the I, toilets. I feel like I'm a flat lever. Like I'm a fucking flat lever. Yeah. No, that's different. You're working. You're doing something for the company, which is, uh, you know, it's important. It's true. But I, I said I wanted it's to just true. say hello to you because, I, you know, so people know that there's nothing wrong and that you'll be back. You won't be here for this next they one either. They don't think that fucking Eddie's got the belt. All of a sudden, he's replacing me. Yeah. Oh, he's got my gig. Oh, <laughs> well, we wanted Eddie in Eddie's studio anyway. Enough. What's that? We wanted Eddie in studio anyway, and then there was a mix-up. Oh, shit, yeah, man. I'm sorry I missed him. He's going to have to come back now. All right. When, when are you, you coming know? back? Where else are you going to besides Sturgis? Uh, no, we, we, we just got back from Maine. We were over in Maine. We saw some good fights, and... Uh, and then Dana's got a place up there, man. That that was a, a a party in itself. What a good time! Wait, a and house? Then, uh, and, then, and then we came here, and fucking now we're just on motorcycles and and a bunch of Harley people, myself and Dean Thomas, like Ebony and Ivory, walking around. <laughs> it's fucking. It's a good time, man. It, it's a we're, we're having a blast. I I think I'm, I might. You know what really sucks, and it's breaking news. I'm gonna have to, I believe, call in. On uh, the next show, too. I think I'm going to be traveling. God damn it. Yeah. Wow. Matt, Matt called me yesterday, and he said, look, dude, I'm sorry. Which is, I get it. It's travel. But he said, that, you know, yeah. I'm like, I can't make it because they can't change the flight. So it's not like he's working, but they just don't want to change the flight. But, but that's all right. Give me a call, man. Yeah, Eddie, if you're around. <laughs> yeah, Matt, have... don't worry. Stay out, man. I'll yeah. take care of this. You relax on the road, Matt. Eddie and I will handle it. You know, you know us Latinos do. They take our jobs. My father's Puerto Rican and my mother's Irish, so that makes me Italian. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a perfect combo. Yeah. I guess I assume just Philly. That's you know what I mean? I, all the Italian guys I know are from uh, from Philly. So Matt, you're uh are you do you ride a motorcycle? I'll ask both of you that question. I try I'm such a not alpha. I tried to ride a moped when I was fifteen and my friends like, dude, just be careful. I'm like, I got it, I got it. And the fucking mirror clipped a car mirror and I flipped and I ruined his moped. It was like literally three hours out of the box so would, would you ride a motorcycle or no i, I wouldn't when i was younger I, I it was a thought it was it was just a thought i'm glad it never happened i think it would have been a terrible idea you know, it could have been a mistake I, yeah terrible it's dangerous the fucking motorcycles they scare the shit out of me i'm not gonna lie to you and uh i'm not i'm not into i'm not into riding a motorcycle but i'll jump into a sidecar like a motherfucker <laughs> yeah you, you know it's funny uh i i just i rode a bike uh, bicycle. I was I was sponsored by this company Stradali. They gave me one of them bikes that they do Tour de France with. Right. So I started riding. I started really liking bicycling. And and the people in Florida said, "Oh, you got to wear a helmet if you're going to. You got to wear a helmet." And I'm like, "I got to. I'm not going to wear a bike helmet. I'm not. It's just not going to do it." Well, three, we didn't grow up like that. Yeah. And three days before the Gilbert, four days before the Gilbert Melendez fight, right before I was about to leave. 20, I was thinking topping out at 25, 30 miles an hour. My, my tire got caught in the crack of a, of, oh, a pa- of a pavement, and I hit a steel pole and went flying. Almost <laughs> cracked my head open. And I, uh, right then and there, I said, I put the bike aside. I haven't, wore, I haven't rode it since. So I couldn't, I couldn't even picture being on a motorcycle right now. Yeah, you got to wear uh, the helmets. They need helmets that don't look like so douchey. That's the problem. They're just little awful douchey helmets. <laughs> Not motorcycle helmets, Dude. but just the bike well, helmets. Hey, let, me, let me tell you, man. They hooked me up with a motorcycle helmet, and I put this thing on. I look like fucking Darth Helmet from fucking Spaceballs. <laughs> I look like a... Like Mike Dukakis. Like <laughs> if, if I'm a biker, I'd want to fucking smack this shit out of me. <laughs> it's a fucking disgrace. A little From fucking baseball. Baseball walking around. <laughs> hey, is, uh, is, Dana, is Dana in a sidecar or is he actually riding a uh, driving motorcycle? No, Dana, Dana rides like a fucking like a boss. Me? 
they, listen, this, this is the thing. They wanted me to take the Harley Davidson course, which I heard is, a, is an excellent course. Okay. Uh, I, I, there's a couple of things, man. I'll fucking. You know, for this show, I'll fucking I'll write a bull. I'll fucking wrestle a bear. Don't put me in a fucking classroom. <laughs> Come on, man. I can't. I don't got patience for that shit. Matt, man. Don't. Matt you're short like I am. I can't. I, I'm I'm picturing you on a bike right now, but I'm also picturing nah. when the bike comes to a stop, you got to get out. You got to get off yeah. of it. Your fight. Your feet can't touch the ground so you got to get off oh, do, you fu- do you fully have to get off and act as a kickstand before you get back on no it's true i used to have a, <laughs> i remember i had my grandfather's like he had one of those big fucking one of those 12 speeds like with the different gears there's some old school shit uh, and i used to have to fucking like like get a curb to get on and then like i drive it i didn't like coming to like jump off as i'm as i'm pulling up it looked really cool <laughs> but i can't just sit there my feet weren't touching there was no way <laughs> hey did you see that bike accident today in uh in the olympics the girl was coming around it was she was like, like a mile to go and she's coming around a turn and she just fucking do you see that and her bike flipped and she landed on her back it's like you know and she wasn't moving so i hope she's all right but what a shit thing. Like, a, a part of you is like, oh my God, that's terrible. And then you're like, what the fuck? You're a talking regular, about choking. Yeah. yeah. It was a big bike race in the Olympics. You know, I don't, I don't know what that is. Holy shit, man. I'm not even watching the damn Olympics. I'm not yeah. either. It's more fun to watch it falling apart. The whole thing's coming apart at the seams. Rio is having is a it? hard time. Yeah. 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 There's these videos. There's these videos online. I was watching, I was uh, telling Paige this morning, uh, these videos of kids robbing the tourists. They're, they're left and right. They're taking their cell phones out of their hand. They're stealing their backpacks, ripping them to the ground. And they're, they're, there's, there's like rings of, of thieves. And uh, that's actually, it's, it's like the Thieve Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, and they're oh, good man. at it. Well, the little kids steal. It's the little kids that will do it because they can run through the crowd easier. No, you know, you like there's a whole mob of people. A little kid will just run through the crowd. Or if there's a big, there's always big kids around when there's little kids. Yeah. Um, and it's a scary place, man. You got to be careful in Rio. They say don't wear any jewelry. Buy like a twenty dollar watch. You know, don't carry your cell phone in your pocket. You got to be smart. Yeah, it's happening. There's some uh, two, yeah, three, man. three minute clips of that. It, it's fucking. It could be dangerous. I'm sure. And I, I heard about a. Uh, 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 somebody at, the, at I don't know, man, I don't know what kind of fucking, was it a Russian uh, person or something? Like a, a guy that's, um, I don't know who the fuck it was. It's going to be a horrible story. But I did hear that it was, they, um, this guy got tried to get uh, held up at gunpoint when he, when he stopped his car because uh, the bikes were going through or something. And the guy did jujitsu. I'm not trying to give a plug for jujitsu, even though I own a couple of schools, sarahbjj.com. <laughs> <laughs> the guy fucking knew jujitsu, pulled the guy into the car, got his gun away, Jimmy, and he fucking killed the fucking robber, which that guy definitely deserves a high five. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's funny, man. We, we, when we went to, I've gone to Brazil three times. Uh, there's lovely ladies there. I used to go with some comedian friends of mine. And when you get there, you got, we would have an armed guy pick us up and take us because it's a little, you know, when you, we, there were wild horses. Like we were driving through, uh, have you ever been to Rio? No. To fight down there? When you go by like I've the favelas. I've times. So, you, so Matt, you know, there's wild horses running me like that. It, there's real poverty there. So it's like people don't have anything. It, so it's a little bit scary if you come through as a tourist and you fucking, hey, look at the, my great luggage. You know, you better be careful, man. You, you got to kind of respect where you are, and and you know. So we had armed security taking us. That was it was a scary place. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Would you have a girlfriend down there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she had a few. You know, he had a few. Sure, I did. I, I told the story this morning. We, I was down there. The, a couple of the uh, 
those pl- uh, the Olympic player, uh, a couple of the ball players or whatever got uh, busted in what they call a thermos of Monte Carlo. Thermos Monte Carlo. It's a it's a whorehouse. Yeah, a brothel. Yes. I used to go there every night, and I pulled up a photo of me and my friends in front of that in 2003. <laughs> it was a wonderful place. <laughs> and what happened to it now? What happened? What's that? Well, we would die. We just have sex. I don't know what they were doing. There. <laughs> but they, they, were, uh, they were just going. They said it, they thought it was like a legitimate spa, which I thought was very funny. They went in. They're like, yeah, it's a spa. And they went in and they got in trouble for having sex, <laughs> I guess. No. Eh, they should just leave them alone. I, I agree. Hurting? I, they hurting? I agree. If you're an Olympic athlete and you're down there with Zika virus threat and all that shit, you should be able to do what you want to do. Well, they, you're coming back when? Yeah. You're, you're very missed. When are you coming back? You know, at least, you know, let them get a hit a hand job house or something. What are we talking about? They were totally oh. there for a deep tissue of the penis. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, come on. Uh-huh. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm coming back uh, sometime Wednesday evening. Uh, so I'm going to be able to, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, that sucks. But I'll see if maybe I can call in. But whatever, I'll see what time my, my, my plane lands, and we'll talk about that after. But yeah, I no need, Matt. I'll be in. here. I know yeah, Eddie will be here. Calling in, right? Yeah. What's that? Rogan's calling in, I think, and uh, Larry King if he doesn't cancel again. Larry King canceled again? No, no, no. If he doesn't, but he's been busy. He's a hard guy oh. to get. Well, you know, not that I don't want to talk to Larry King. I mean, I'm, that's more of your gig. But I'd love to fucking talk to Joe. Me too. You know, I, he's he's on the show, and I'm not on it. That, that kind He'll of be back. Rogan will be a regular if he wants to be. Yeah, he really will. He could be. He, uh, <laughs> like, La- Larry, King's a, <laughs> Larry King's a fascinating guest. He's a he's he knew everybody, and any one of those old school guys who hung out with Marlon Brando, like those are guys yeah. you could talk to because they uh, the old school showbiz guys are the fucking best. Could all talk about anything. They have a million stories. It's the younger no, guys. Are I, panicking. Hey, I believe it, man. But I just don't think I had I'd have much to ask compared to you. I'd be more listening and. Does he know about the UFC? It. Is he fan? No, but there's some guys that we'll have on. We want to cross out because you have like guys who love, love MMA yeah. who listen to the podcast, but then you, have, you want to branch out to other people and get them into to listening. So we try to do at least, at least one fighter per show. A lot of times we have two fighters. Like we yeah. had Caceres and uh, Rodriguez on last week, you know, we had, you know, which was the main event card. We have, we have a lot of fighters now, on, so sometimes we have some non-fighters too. Now, now, what do we got going on today besides this this awesome start with Eddie and me calling in? Now, what, 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 who else we got? In? <laughs> Don't get me wrong; it's fine with just Eddie coming in there. No, it's just it's just gonna be Eddie today because Eric Andre, a uh, really what? funny comic. You know Eric Andre? Who is? He's got a show on Adult Swim called "He's Like the World's Worst Talk Show Host." He fucks <laughs> with people. He really fucks with people a lot. Like no, he's I had guests. Ti walked off his show, and like it, there was one scene where fucking Eric had some girl from the hills or whatever show on, and and he yeah, it's uh, Lauren Conrad. Lauren, from the hills. yeah, and uh, he's sitting there and he vomited on his desk and he started eating it. He's the best. He's, I, I like the guy already. He's <laughs> so goddamn funny. But right now he's stuck. Delta had problems all day, so he's right now he had problems getting up from Orlando. All right, well Matt, uh, tell tell Dana hello from me. <laughs> you know, tell the boss I hi. I will. And. Uh, I hope you guys had a nice chat while you were out there. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, we did, Jimmy. Wink, wink, crick of the neck. I'm, I'm fucking giving you the old, uh, paka, paka. Uh, listen, Dana's on top of shit. And, right. uh, very exciting stuff. Okay, buddy. And I'm having a good time. I, I, miss, I miss you, Jimmy. Eddie, have a blast, champ. You've probably been busy as hell, man, been on the circuit since you got that belt. Did you get a chance at all? Did you chill out at all? I How did. are you, sir? I, I just got Good, home. Good, man. Good to see you. 
I just Sorry got home uh, five. What, I took I took five days in uh, Florida with my wife and kids. We had we had a great time. I just got home from that. But other than that, yeah, just uh, station to station, city to city, going around meeting the fans and, and talking to a bunch Fucking of people. Life of the champ, man. Life of the champ. Did you do Disney World down there or Disneyland? Whatever. Well, I I did the Vitamin Shop conference with a with a, a company that I endorse. And that was that was in Orlando. So before I went to the next city, I um I flew my wife out, and we spent the whole night and the whole following day in Disney. That that was cool, um because we always we always got to go to Disney with the with the four kids. We finally got to go yeah. there just us. So that oh, man. that was a different oh, they must experience. Have loved it, man. How old are your kids again? Uh, Eleven, eight, six, and uh two and almost two years old. Hey, boys or girls? Uh, three boys older and then a, then a young girl, okay. baby girl. Oh, oh they'll be they'll be looking out for their kid sister then. And I feel bad for anyone that tries to date her in high school. Three older brothers and a fucking UFC champion fighter. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, that's oh, scary. That's rough. That's awesome. <laughs> they must have had a blast. Yeah, yeah. I cool. fucking I have been away almost a week, man. I miss I miss I start missing my kids a lot when I'm on I'm away. Are you like that when you're away? You miss your kids like a. Everybody misses it. I am. You, I, I run off I guilt, man. I run I off. I, I, I run mostly off guilt. You know, I I spend too much time fighting. I feel guilty about not uh, not being with my wife and kids, and then then I'm with my wife and kids too long, and I feel guilty about not training enough. So I never yeah, quite yeah, I uh, never quite win the battle. You know. No, no, you never get away. <laughs> no, I feel that way too. I'm out here earning some. You know, shit, man. I'm working. You know, and it's for my family, but at the same time, you know, when your kids are asking for you and shit. It fucking, you know, it, it tugs on the heartstrings, Jimmy. <laughs> no, I know, and I don't have kids, and I, and there's a part of me that I'm I'm very dysfunctional. I'm a self-centered pervert. But then there's the part of me that's like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd be a good husband, but I kind of I kind of envy the like I'm li- listening to you. You're like, yeah, I went to Disney. You had a nice time with your family, and Matt goes away. It, there's like, it, I'm sure not perfect, but there's something stable about that and calming about that and like this is my life and there's no you know it's it's like for me it's always uncertain and unfamiliar and what's and it's not even fun anymore like i kind of envy that yeah, yeah it's also like a really the, the the really really like when you say like true love and stuff like that like i don't know man if you could ever get that with somebody other than, like i don't know like you know you love your parents you love your wife you love but with your kids like your blood like i don't know it's it's, it's a different it's a different kind of unconditional love. It's a weird thing. Not to get too deep on you. But Eddie, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, I do, man. It is. I do, I do, yeah, I it do. It really is. I like, I, by the way, oh, that's the like most beautiful be- thing I've heard in a long time is Matt goes, it's unconditional love. Eddie, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking is. It fucking is. You guys are such fighters, man. <laughs> 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 These fucking kids really get to you. Yeah, they tug your fucking heartstrings. Am I right or wrong? Listen, man, they're calling for me. Before I fucking start becoming a blubbering idiot and everybody loses all these to me i'm gonna go okay. i miss my kids all right listen jimmy man i'm gonna be to- I'll, I'll give you a text later on dude all right buddy uh, have, have fun Eddie, today man. man all right matt yeah thanks for having me all on right, don't fall Good off the bike you, man all right guys you See guys you. are the best take care guys all right pal take care later yeah matt said too it's funny he's talking about that <clears throat> and having children he said that he'll get like emotional like when he thinks about his kids or nice things with his kids and it's like so i think we were talking one time about like what makes you cry or what doesn't make you cry for me it's f- movies I, I i oh i get this fucking news story before about like two old people that died within an hour of each other 
They hold, they're like in an old age home. And I'm sitting in the gym before I'm reading this. And I'm tearing up. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm like menopausal. <laughs> yeah, kid, kids will do that to you. So are you, are you like an emotional guy like that? Like, uh, I'm, I'm always interested in the mentality of you guys because it, it's such a, you, you need such a, a psych, psyche to be able to fight. But what, what is your, uh, there's got to be one where you're like, oh man, that one gets me. What, what I get emotional about? Like films, about. yeah, like movies or... Uh, hmm, yeah, any, anything with siblings, with, you know, brothers in particular, I, I, I'm real close to my brothers, and, and I have uh, my sons, they are, are the, basically the mirror image of, of how me and my brothers act oh. with each other, so anything with that, siblings, you know, it really, really gets to me, but other than that, I, um... I'm not super emotional. I think that's. I think my. I think me and my wife talk about that a lot. How I can be a little more emotional. I oh, she would I, like you to be a little more emotional. Yeah, I think when when I was younger, I I, I was I I ran off emotions. I ran big time off emotions. I was, I would get fired up real quick, and and things would jump off really fast. So that worked against you. No, it was a good thing. I oh. think I think my wife liked that about me. Um, she got to see you know some some feelings, and uh, as I got older. I think with the fight game, I've uh, tried to rid myself of emotions because I don't like feeling a lot of them. Fe- I'm feeling afraid, feeling anxiety, feeling... Them. I try to rid myself of it and look beyond it. So uh, I think I began at a point in my adult life where I started to think about what I was thinking about. It became too awkward, too weird. Well, how do you navigate being afraid? Because everyone's afraid. I mean, I get afraid. I, I got to go on stage. And, uh, you know, it, it's, there's times where I feel like I don't belong here. I'm an imposter, and they all know I'm a fake, and I shouldn't be here. Um, you know, so for me, I just have to walk out there and tell myself, like, this is bullshit what you're saying. What do you do when, you're, when you have those moments? I'm sure you have some moments of fear when you're going to fight. I do. Um, I think there, it's an evolution because when you first – when you first are afraid when you begin fighting, you look at it as a, uh, oh, no, I'm not ready. Right. Your mind starts to think a certain way that it's negative. But in my career, my own experiences, my, wor- my best performances ever and my most vicious, violent knockouts have came when I was the most afraid. And um, I get very excited now in my career when I feel that feeling of being afraid because I know I'm about to perform at a level that I'm not even that I don't even think I'm capable of so I now I tell even even younger kids when they ask me about fear and things like that I tell them be afraid be very afraid because and as long as you make that walk anyway and go get in that octagon anyway that fear is going to move you in ways that you can never think you can move uh, otherwise. Right, because fear can, <clears throat> pardon me, fear can be paralyzing too. So that's where it's bad. If you allow fear to kind of run your life and you avoid things because you're afraid, but doing things and acknowledging, like, hey, I'm afraid to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's going to be cool because I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be pretty damn cool. What are you afraid of when you're in, a, in the ring? Is it of getting physically hurt or is it because Tyson, I watched Mike Tyson talking about something. There's a good thing about him staring down people. And he said something about, I'm afraid that this guy is going to hurt me. I'm afraid this guy is going to beat me and humiliate me. And like for him, a big part of it was the humiliation of, of losing or the perceived humiliation of it. So what, what, is that what freaks you out or is it the actual physical thing? No, if you're humiliated, that means you, you care what people think about you. And at my age and where I'm at in my life, I don't. I, I'm kind of getting past that part of it. Okay. I'm not that. I don't fear that. I don't fear being physically harmed. 
Um, I think the biggest thing I fear is not uh, when I go out there, I want to do what I know I'm capable of. And I feel like if I don't go out there and perform to the best of my ability, that's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is not going out there and performing the way I know I can. So um, that's my that's my fear. It's not even losing. It's just not living up to what I know I can do. Matt said that... Um for him, I'm always tired. I have sleep apnea. I get two hours of sleep last night. My sleep is garbage. So you guys who have to be wide awake, he said for him, I think in the second GSP fight, he was tired. And uh, he said, that's the biggest enemy in the ring is you're afraid of. He said, that's all he was afraid of was not getting hit. It was getting tired and then having to fight tired. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all them. There's, the, there's these small battles that you got to deal with. And, and you, if you take care of them training, usually on fight night, it'll take care of itself. But the idea of being tired when you think about it, um, it's a physical thing, of course. It's, it's definitely physical, but um, it's mental as well. I mean, it means that you're thinking about the future. You're thinking about the third and fourth and fifth round. You're not necessarily in the present and thinking about the now. Um, so if you put yourself in the present you can't, and, and you're truly focused, it's hard to get tired. It's hard to say that you're tired. Um, I just think that guys who get tired, they start, their mind starts wandering and they start thinking about, oh, I'm feeling this, my heart's pounding, I'm feeling this panic moment and I still have three rounds to go. It's kind of like their mind gets ahead of themselves and then they kind of... Instead of staying in that moment. Tap out. Instead of staying in the moment and trying to just be within yourself and enjoy the fight. Now, I, Tyron Woodley said too after he... Uh, I mean, that Robbie Lawler... Uh, I, mean, I mean, you're never surprised to see Tyron Woodley hit hard. But that knockout was was stunning. Because I, I, Robbie Lawler just basically just fell out. I mean, I, I didn't think that was possible to knock him out that way. And he said he was nervous that he wasn't nervous. Going out there, I don't know if you saw him post-interview, uh, Chris, but he said, like, he didn't feel afraid. And that, like, made him worry a little bit that maybe I'm not in the right headspace or something. Yeah, that, that could be. I've been there before where I, where I didn't feel the nerves. I almost... I trained too much for a fight where I, the excitement and um, the nerves didn't hit me. And you're making that walk out to the cage and you're kind of slapping yourself saying, wake up, what is it? Everyone else is excited around you, the fans are excited, and you don't feel it. So I've been there as well, but um, you need to work on that in your training. There's certain ticks and certain <clears throat> things where you got to change your state of mind that quickly. You got to change your state. If you're not feeling it, you have to have certain ticks or certain things that you say to yourself, you know, um, that get you into the state of mind of uh, being at that high state of alertness and ready to fight. Um, and I wanted to promote too, while you're here too, because we're talking with Eddie Alvarez, the uh, lightweight champion. If you don't know that, and you made a mistake this morning too. I, I talked to Eddie this morning on the radio show, and um, you gave we we undervalued where you were ranked um, overall. By, by a couple. So what are you promoting to? You're doing something in Philadelphia um, on uh, Wednesday afternoon or Tom Tuesday afternoon, which is actually today. If you're hearing this, this podcast comes out today, Tuesday. So um, so today at between 6 and 8 o'clock, I'll be in Philadelphia and um, we'll be at Chickie and Pete's in South Philly. We're going to do a fan rally. I'm going to give away a bunch of T-shirts. I'm going to go... Uh, do some pictures, some autographs, and we're going to eat some cheesesteaks and crab fries and have a good time at Chicken Pete's. Do you allow yourself a few days? I mean, you, you, you've you been champion for a month now, but when you first win, I think Chael Sonnen said that he would go out with his aunt and get a lobster. Like, that was what his ritual was after a fight. 
Um, do you have anything that you'll do with your wife and kids? Will you eat cake or, or are you right back into eating healthier to give yourself a few days of just kind of oh, shitty? Oh, no, no. I try to get – any every ab that I have, I try to get rid, rid of it as soon as possible. <laughs> You're tired of my, it. <laughs> my goal after the fight is to get rid of any kind of definition or anything that I have. I want to – the idea is to look like a marshmallow within two weeks. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I've been I've been doing that for forty eight years. So. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do you get when you know? Are you ever afraid that you're going to not be able to get back to where you need to be? Because you guys go up and down in weight. Like, if I have to lose five pounds, I panic. But you guys will, like you said today, you walked around at one eighty two, yeah. and you're going to fight at what one fifty five. I mean, yeah. how do you lose fucking? How do you comfortably lose twenty seven pounds? Uh, I don't do it overnight. I like I I'm gonna. Eventually, I'm going to be in a training camp that's going to last 12 to 10 weeks. I'm incredibly passionate about what I do, and I train twice a day. So for me, I'll never – I get obsessed during my training camps to the point where I'm up early at night training, I'm going to bed late training, and during the day I'm watching tape and thinking about training. So um, I know, if anything, I need to put on this fat in between, and I need to eat this stuff so I have the fuel to last me. 10, 12 weeks because I'm, I'm going to go at 100% for a long period of time. And you enjoy, do you guys like, do you enjoy training camp? I mean, because a lot of guys get hurt, they like overly train and they, they injure themselves in camp. Uh, are you careful of that? Have you had that or no? I, I do. I don't, I don't believe in the, the, the myth of overtraining. I think it's bullshit. I think if, if you love what you do, you need to be obsessed about it. You need to be passionate about it. And the more you do it, the better you get. I think somebody at some point came up with this idea of overdoing something, and I think that was because they weren't truly passionate about what they did. And they wanted, yeah, you always hear, but like I think Aldo has had to drop out of, oh yeah, and Dos Anjos had to drop out of the McGregor fight, which is why they, he fought Diaz. I was at the, uh, the Dos Anjos fight, and I was, I was amazed at how soundly you beat him. Um, not that I don't know you're a great fighter, but I, I was like, well, I think uh, Rafael's going to give him a hard time because of his kicks, um, because Cowboy, you know, gave you a hard time, and uh, I don't know if that was uh, all because of his feet, but it, it's it's like, well, if, if Cowboy gave him a hard time, then Rafael might. And what do you think the difference was between him and uh, and Dos Anjos? Um, different style matchups, you know. There's a lot of MMA math involved, but he's a southpaw. Every southpaw I ever fought, I, I fight southpaw as well. I fought a lot of them during my career. Do they screw a lot of guys up because they're not used to seeing that look? They do. If, if, and and um, if you don't know how to fight them correctly, you don't know that you're in danger when you are. So if you understand a southpaw and how they work, then you can easily defeat them if, if you know how they do well. So um, I, I, there are, southpaws are the, my most vicious, violent knockouts in my career. If you go back in my career, all the southpaws I ever fought, Aaron Riley, Derek Noble, Shinya Yoki, almost every southpaw I fought, they were my most, uh, this P- Patrici, uh, Patricky Pipple, they're my most vicious, violent knockouts are all southpaws because they're in line for my biggest weapon, my, my, my right hand, so... And who do you want to fight? Uh, you know, who do you want to fight next? Do you have anybody that you really want to uh, your next fight, your first defense? Yeah, I, 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 I honestly, I'm looking forward to the August 20th fight to see who wins that and, and get the winner of uh, either Nate Diaz or Conor McGregor. What, whoever wins that fight, I'll be glad. I'll be glad to take on. I, you know, it's funny. Uh, you're ranked. We, we said this morning we thought you were ranked number eight. Uh, Stipe Miocic is, is number eight. You're number six overall. Look and, at that. I moved up. But how is McGregor number four? Again, he's a good fighter. <laughs> he's a tough guy. But how is he ranked number four 
I, like I understand why Cruz and, and, and Demetrius Johnson and Cormier are ranked high and Jose Aldo, but why? Are, I don't understand how Connor is ranked two above you. It doesn't make sense. Because he, he beat Dennis Seaver, man. What the <laughs> fuck? What are we? I mean, this is obviously a fucking circus. This guy's number four. Look, this is. I, I said, what did I say to Dean, Dean Thomas? Dean, no, no, no. Eve Edwards. We did, we did a podcast and I said, what Ali said, impossible is nothing. It couldn't be more true. When, when you get knocked out by a 500 fighter, you get knocked out by Nate Diaz, and then immediately after you offer out Floyd Mayweather, this has absolutely become a fucking circus. This, there's no, there, there's no rules. You can just do whatever you want. You get knocked out by a guy who doesn't box. You get knocked out. And then afterwards, you, 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 arguably, you offer out the best boxer to ever live. So, right. <laughs> this is a circus. We, we just make shit up. The guy's number four. Great. You know, we make up rankings. We, um, we go more off perception in fighting than we do off what's really real. And that's, that's where I want to separate this. And that's why I want the winner of, uh, of uh, August 20th. I want the winner of 202 because we need, a per- we need to separate perception from reality. And I'm sick and tired of fans coming up to me thinking that Conor McGregor is actually one of the best fighters in the world. You think it's more the perception of him and the fact that he's a great talker? As I, I, to I know it's more the perception of him than, than what he is. He, he, he is excellent at talking and, and he's, he ought to be happy he's excellent at talking because, he, because he's not that good at fighting. Um, and so you think that his big selling point is the fact that people love to watch him win because they have pride in being Irish or whatever, or they love to watch him lose because they don't like him. Yeah, look, Dana White said it the, said it the best. Dana White said it himself before he signed this guy. He sat down and met with him in Ireland. And, and when he met with him, he said, if this guy can fight a lick, he's going to be a superstar. And it turns out he can fight a lick, just a lick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a superstar. So that, that's what you get. He's, there's, there's a difference between popularity and the best fighters in the world. There's a difference between being popular and then actually being one of the best fighters in the world. He's popular. Yeah, but you're also very popular. I mean, uh, your name I'm hearing mentioned all the time. You know, in a relatively short span of time, you've gone from a fighter that people knew to, like, you know, one of the fighters that everyone's talking about. So that's got to feel good. You have to notice that. It, it feels good, but I'm not, I was never in this sport uh, to be popular. I was in this sport to be one of the best fighters in the world, and um, I don't want to be popular. I just, I just want to make a lot of money <laughs> and, and um, tell my wife and kids at the end of this that the, all the shit I put them through, the, it was worth it. We, you know, you guys got good schooling. We live somewhere safe, somewhere whatever. I just want to be able to say that to them. And uh, if I can say that to them, then I did my job. Well, I could sit here with Eddie Alvarez all day. You have other press to do. That's the only reason we have to wrap with Eddie is because he's, he, you actually were very gracious to come in. I appreciate it. You, you're a great fighter, man, and, and you're such a fun guest, too. So anytime you want to come back, we'd love to have you because I, I knew th- I'd wanted you on the podcast immediately, and it was just hard to coordinate um, at the week of 200. Things were too crazy. So uh, congratulations on, uh, on being the champion, man, and yeah. I'd love to have you back. Yeah, thanks for the invite. And uh, whenever Matt's not around, uh, look, I don't drive here. I fucking hate driving to this place. I'll never drive here ever. Take the train. Yeah, I, 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 I think we got she. Uh, Paige got me a, a first class ticket here, so I actually oh, nice. took a I took a twenty five minute plane. <laughs> plane. Oh, you flew from plane, Philly, which is so uppity. I can't. Even, I could. I, I couldn't even. I don't even do think it. Obama flies from <laughs> Philly. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as I started to nod <laughs> off, they said, "Please check the cabin. We're landing. <laughs> We're landing." Uh, 
Secure the gab and we're, we're about to land. But so. you know what? You're the champion now. And if they're going to fly you first class, fuck it. Take every first class ticket. You can, my agent is calling again. It's amazing. My agent, who knows I'm doing this podcast, is just calling at the worst times. Yeah, let's, I hope, an- I hope he's let's calling. answer him. Let's answer him. Let's, uh, let's curse him out. Okay, I hope real quick. <laughs> Hello, Bob? Hi, I'm doing my podcast right now with a lightweight <laughs> champion, Eddie Alvarez, and he was saying we should curse you out for calling it a shit time, and he's not wrong. <laughs> I'll call you back, Bob. You have the timing of diarrhea in the ninth inning. All right, I'll call you back. <laughs> All right, Eddie, uh, thank you so much, man. And, and, uh, and He's have like, a great well, time. that endorsement's going to go to the next guy. <laughs> Fuck you. No, have a great, uh, again, if you're listening to this podcast, it is uh, Tuesday, came out today, and you can catch Eddie tonight, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. What's it called? Chickie and Pete's. Chickie and Pete's, and uh, it's kind of a celebration down there in Philly. Go eat some cheesesteaks and, and hang out with Eddie and take a picture and congratulate him. Uh, just another tough motherfucker from Philadelphia, one of my favorite cities in the world. So thank you, Sweet. buddy. Thank you, brother. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Sarah. Oh, I like this. The host can feel free to stylize. You're unique. You don't walk like everyone else, talk like everyone else, or sleep like everyone else. So why is your mattress one size fits all? You know, I am reading this, but that's actually a conversation I've had alone. I was up. My mattress sucks. I I was up until 3 o'clock in the morning last night. I got two hours sleep, so I'm very, very loopy. If there's one day I needed that bum Matt Sarah and his sweaty chest, it's today. And he's off gallivanting with the boss. Because now a customized mattress is going to cost you five to $10,000, which is crazy. So go to helixsleep.com, answer a few simple questions. They're going to run a 3D biomechanical model of your body through the proprietary algorithms they developed with the help of the world's leading uh, ergonomics and biomechanics experts. The result, the most comfortable mattress you've ever slept in. The fact that I was able to read most of that, you guys should buy ads for another four years because my mattress is really awful. And by the way, I feel bad for anyone that has to do a body mapping of me. My apologies in advance. Helix customers report a 30% improvement in overall sleep quality, which is really nice. And for couples, they customize each side of the mattress. So if you're married and your wife is one of those annoying people, oh, let's just put it on me. I'm, I'd be the husband. And I get up to pee a lot. I know that people wonder about my, my urinary habits. And I'm going to tell you right now during this mattress read, I'm in and out of the bathroom all night. I probably did seven bathroom trips last night. I just want to take my bladder out and throw it off the balcony. So I'm annoying if you sleep with me. I'm worse when I'm awake, but if you're trying to sleep next to me, up, up. So get something like this where you, it's worked out for both sides. Maybe they'll put a fence in between us. Your mattress arrives at your door in about a week. Shipping's 100% free. Now, as you know, on this program, we like free shipping. Matt and I are a couple of chiselers. And uh, we like a good free shipping. Nothing makes me happier than free shipping. That's why everyone from GQ Magazine to Forbes, they're all talking about Helix Sleep. You have 100 nights to try it out. And if you don't love it, they don't say like it. They don't say if you feel moderately satisfied. They say if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a 100% refund. No questions asked. That's pretty good. 100 nights. You don't love it. They pick it up. It's 100% refund. Wouldn't it be funny if they said, uh, if you don't love it, we'll pick it up, and they charge you 8000 That would be really self-defeating. But they don't. They say it's free. Go to helixsleep.com slash UFC. You get $50 off your order. helixsleep.com slash UFC. helixsleep.com slash UFC. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports UFC Unfiltered. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast 
powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? Of course you do. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of one button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all of this on your phone or your tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash unfiltered. That's quickenloans.com slash unfiltered. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Big thanks, honestly, to Eddie Alvarez for coming in. I really wish he could have stayed for the, uh, the entire uh, show. But his publicist, I think, was, uh, they have other press scheduled. So what a good guest. Those fucking Philly guys, man. First of all, we've talked before on this show. Matt Sarah, if you're just tuning in, this is not a live radio show. You've been here since the beginning. You're not just tuning in. That's my old radio shit where you got to reset, but this is a podcast. We're changing the name, by the way, for this week. It's Unfiltered with Jim Norton and no one else. I don't want Matt Sarah's name replaced with another name. I want it to say, and no one else, just so people don't fuck around and think that Matt's in this one. No, I'm, t- I'm taking notes. I got it. <laughs> Uh, but it was good to hear from Matt. But those Philly guys, man, they, they're just, it's a tough city. Philadelphia is, is a, it's really hard to be a pussy in Philly. And, um, you know, so many boxers, whether it's Sonny Liston, Joe Frazier, Meldrick Taylor, who else? Uh, well, Larry Holmes is Easton, technically, but that's, you know, it's a Philly suburb. They sound the same shitty accent. Eddie. Really, that I know I'm missing a few. Oh, uh, Bernard Hopkins. Another great Philly tough motherfucker, man. That's just a... Frightening city. Couple of things to cover too. We didn't get a chance because uh, Eddie came in happily a little earlier than I thought. Uh, we didn't get to cover the rest of the. Uh, did you see the Trevor Smith, Joe? Uh, how do you say his name? Giuliani. Uh, yeah, that big killer, right. almost yeah. like that Brock Lesnar, almost chest tattoo. He was. Uh, I th- I'm g- now. This is by memory. Was he seven and zero before he was uh, undefeated? Uh, first UFC fight, but I think he was uh, undefeated before. Trevor Smith, a veteran. And uh, this was uh, Giuliani's, and again, if, you're, if I'm saying it wrong, I, I apologize. It was his first UFC fight. He was coming in uh, with 13 years younger than Trevor Smith. He gave up 13 years. And it started with Smith kind of keeping Giuliani against the cage and taking him down. He was just kind of, it felt like he was almost trying to control him and test his cardio because uh, of the altitude. And the, most of the fight, and I was going to ask Eddie about this, but we just started, t- you know, he started bashing Connor, and I certainly wasn't going to, you know, if you're broadcasting... And, you know, and the lightweight champion is bashing Connor. You don't step in and go, so what would you think of the fight? You know, you just allow them to do that. And, and not even just bashing him, being like, yeah, I want to I fight him to prove that I'm way better than him. Yeah. <laughs> and Connor, you know, to be, to be very honest, I don't know Connor McGregor. And I understand that he does talk a lot, but he really is a good fighter. You can't, you know what I mean? Connor, and, and, and Dana has said it. He's, Dana said it to privately at dinner. He's like, he's a tough motherfucker, man. He will fight anyone, anytime. He's not afraid. You know, he, if he loses, he, like he lost it, he wants to fight Diaz again. He could have went down and wait even further. So there's a lot of, uh, he has a lot of balls, Conor McGregor. Um, but Trevor Smith did, I think, what is everyone's worst nightmare. Was he just, because again, he has all that experience over uh, Joe Giuliani, is he just kept him on the ground for three rounds. There's nothing Giuliani wanted less than to be smothered by this fucking veteran for three rounds. 
And, uh, you know, I, th those are never fan favorite fights. Uh, you know, Trevor won by a unanimous decision. But those are never fan favorites uh, when one guy just can't get his stand-up going. And then he finally does the beginning of the round. You know, like the third round, uh, you know, you know, Giuliani, you're like, ah, maybe he'll stand up this round. It'll be a little more interesting. You know, he, he, you know, he throws a fucking roundhouse, which he misses because he's tired and it's late in the fight. I mean, literally... You know, I, I think that Trevor Smith was drinking coffee and he put it down and then ducked and then grabbed. You know, he was just tired by that point. And then, you know, you throw a wild punch, you're fucking, you're down again. So that was how that fight uh, went. Very disappointing. Um, that, you know, the fan favorites are very rarely. Sarah would enjoy that. You know what I mean? GSP would enjoy watching that. These jujitsu guys who understand it on, on every level and experience it. But a guy like me who only looks like I take jujitsu. What'd you think of, uh, uh, now is it Ponzibio or Ponzibio? I've heard different pronunciations. Uh, I, I say Ponzinibbio. Oh, Ponzinibbio. It's neither. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so C, choice three was neither, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> Ponzinibbio and uh, Zach Cummings. The, uh, a welterweight uh, fight. It was, uh, Zach Cummings, I think, stood up with him a little more than people thought he was going to because uh, Ponzinibbio is, I think, an overall better striker. Um, of course, Ponzinibbio won by a decision. Uh, they started... I, 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 I'm, I'm jumping around on my notes because you know how I don't take notes normally? I've started taking notes because when I watch a fight, to digress for a moment, you know, I can, I can do, talk about movies or I can talk about all these other things and I can break them down into a million different... But when I watch a fight, just because I've watched as a fan for so many years, I'm not an analyst. I watch it as one moment. So when I watch a fight, I'll see it as one moment. And it's harder for me to go back and break it down. So I'm training myself to, you know, to, to remember these things. Because my memory is actually very good for nonsense. It's for shit. My memory is really good. You know, I can, I can remember lines from Raging Bull. You know? Leave it, boy! Fuck you! All right. <laughs> that was my Jake LaMotta impression. Very good. Uh, that was a good fight. Uh, uh, now, this name I'll never get. Uh, I, Chris Carmozzi, of course, against uh, Tialis uh, Laitis? Laitis? Talis Laitis. Talis Laitis. All right, close. Entire first round was spent with Laitis riding Carmozzi's back. And uh, again, just another grueling, high-altitude shit you don't want to deal with. And he kept trying to uh, slide his wrist under his chin and choke him. He's peppering him with punches. It, it was just an exhausting first round for uh, Carmozzi. And then uh, round two... Uh, Letus puts him down on the ground again, just warm down. Very slow moving, grueling, a lot like the uh, the uh, Giliati uh, fucking Trevor Smith fight. And um, you know, Kamosi came out swinging in round three. It seemed uh, he seemed desperate at one point. He just wanted to stay standing. And uh, you know, again, like I've said, fights like this are never fan favorites. And uh, he was tapped. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. Like, uh, Letus could have uh, really avoided him and just kind of uh, cruised. But he wanted to go in, and he wound up, uh, he wound up choking him in the uh, third round. And he's tied for the fourth most finishes in middleweight history with seven. It's weird these stats they come up with. It's like baseball stats. You know what I mean? You know, with runners on third, less than two outs, and it's cloudy. He's 14 for 75 with homosexual tendencies. You know, they just throw out these fucking things. You have no idea. I don't know why I threw in that last part. I just didn't have anything else to say. That, that's the thing with guys like Latest, though, who's just been around for a long time. You kind of, you know, the average fan is going to be paying attention, not, not really remember that name. But every time he gets in there, that's a guy that's a threat to finish yeah. you, and he's dangerous everywhere, you know? And uh, Dennis Bermudez, who I spent a good deal of time talking to at 200, really a lovely guy, and, uh, and Honey Jason, uh, the co-main event. What did you think of that fight? 
I mean, Bermudez is, I, I mean, again, Jason was, was very tough, but Dennis Bermudez is just really, he doesn't get tired. And he's a pretty savage striker. Absolutely, yeah. I was actually a little surprised that he was able to dominate at points. You know, I, I thought it would be a little bit of a closer fight, but Bermudez was really all over him. It was a, it was great, and that gash that he got on his head was nasty. Did you see in the first round where it looks like Bermudez spun him around with a leg kick? It looked to me like it was a calf. He kicked him in the calf. And he spun around. And that's something you normally don't see until later in the fight. Like when a guy's been getting kicked, you know, like, you know, when, when fucking Edson Barboza has been throwing kicks for two and a half rounds, then the guy starts getting spun around. Like his body's just like, I don't want to take this impact. Yeah, which just happened against Gilbert Melendez. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. But then in the first round, Bermudez threw a kick and spun him around. And uh, there was one point where they went to the ground and Jason's really dangerous off his back. So I was kind of surprised that Bermudez didn't stand back up quickly. And that vicious right elbow, I thought they were going to stop the fight because they showed it in between rounds. And it looked like once they dab, usually when you dab a cut, you shouldn't see it. It looked like a zipper on his forehead. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way they're going to allow this fight to continue. But they did. And it made me think while I'm watching this of the visible damage because those rules that we've been discussing did pass. So that's going to now count in the judging, uh, which we can talk about after we talk about the... Uh, the fight, but uh, Bermudez won by a decision. It was a, it was a great fight. He's extremely aggressive, obviously very well conditioned, and um, I think he was three to one in significant strikes. And all he had to do really to to, to uh, secure a definitive win was just not fuck up. And there was one point where he was almost flattened out and choked deep in the third round. So I kind of respected him. Sometimes I'm surprised these guys don't just kind of take the easy road. Like in boxers, I think are more likely to do that, maybe because they're fighting longer fights. But you don't see a whole lot of guys in the UFC. Uh, doing that, they they said they seems like they really want to they really want to submit. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I'd be very happy. I'd be dancing. And Norton's climbing the cage. Uh, all right, what did you think of uh, Alex Caceres, uh, Yahir Rodriguez? I mean, that, that I was very excited about that fight going into it on Saturday, and it didn't. The only thing it didn't have was a finish, but you didn't need it. It was just such a good back and forth. Both guys throwing what they wanted to throw. It was really. An exciting fight. I now, like I may that. get smashed for this comparison, but round one was so fast-moving, and Rodriguez was throwing so many spinning kicks. Pardon me. And and Caceres uh, as well. I mean, Caceres was throwing just... I, I think that Rodriguez was a little more accurate, but it reminded me of Hagler-Hearns. Like, you remember the, the furious three-round pace that those guys yeah. fought at? That's yeah. what these first couple of rounds uh, reminded me of. And it looked almost choreographed. I've never seen anybody throw so many spinning kicks. Like Rodriguez is so, uh, his balance is so amazing. He'll he'll he'll, he'll uh, throw a spinning back kick and then follow it up with uh, a, a forward leg kick. Like it's just a fucking guy's amazing. Yeah, well, that's really what the problem was for Caceres. It was that he never really got a chance to set his feet because everything that Yair yeah, was throwing, he was connecting it with other you know strikes. Like you're saying, because of his balance, he was able to keep it going. And Caceres was he wasn't uh, he wasn't getting time to set up and do anything. You know, it, it just seemed like every missed punch uh, or kick was answered. And uh, Rodriguez uh, is stuffed on a takedown. He answered with a John Jones elbow in round two. Do you remember that? He got stuffed and he just fucking, here, yep. take this elbow with you. Caceres uh, is very aggressive, but he literally spent the first two rounds uh, moving and attempting counterstrikes. Now, I don't know if he's typically a counterstriker. He's, he's a more patient fighter than, than Rodriguez. But it just sure. seemed like he really could get nothing going. Like he just continually was, was moving and avoiding, moving and avoiding, trying to set up and avoiding. Um, I thought that this was a pretty clear win by uh, Yari Rodriguez. What did you think? I mean, it certainly wasn't an ass-kicking, but I thought that he clearly won. Yes, I agree. 
And um, in the fifth round, Caceres did take him down, uh, but he was Rodriguez was able to get up immediately, and they were both pretty much labored fighters in, in round five. I'm surprised it took as long to get his tire. Round four, you could see them slowing down a little bit. But uh, Rodriguez won by a split decision. This was another shocking split decision. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit before we started recording. It's it's crazy. It was and it was a forty nine forty six round for Caceres. I, how who, how did did any judge see that forty nine forty six Caceres? I, I was shocked. Um, you know, but again, maybe maybe the judges are just not. Maybe they're doing it right because these things are not in place yet, or maybe they're just a lot of them are just not qualified to judge mixed martial arts. Yeah, I mean, it could be a little bit of a combination of both. But the, uh, the new rules, like we were talking about, they go into effect January 1st. So, Yeah, the unified MMA rules, um, they were voted on by the Association of Boxing Commissions, and they were, as we said, approved. And um, what is it going to be? You cannot leave with your hand open, which I don't know how I feel about that if you're not eye-poking. Um, but you have to uh, take into account the amount of time dominating and in a dominating position and around, and also visible damage. Which, again, that's a tough one because a guy like Frankie Edgar, um, you know, he's a bleeder. There's some guys that just bleed badly and they can dominate around and then all of a sudden get hit with a couple of elbows at the end and they're split open. Well, and that's the problem, right? Like we're saying with the, the, the visible gash on the head with an elbow, it looks terrible, but really it's just one strike. And, you know, he could have been dominating the whole fight with jabs and whatever. And the visible damage is what's going to count more at a certain point. So it's something to keep your eye on as we go forward. And discussing with Eddie before the, uh, the rankings where he's number six, um, uh, Johnson is, it's weird to see the rankings and I'm looking at this now, Jones and uh, Leota Machida and, uh, and Brock, you know, again, cause Brock's been out of it. So I, I don't care that he's been removed from the official UFC rankings because again, he's not really fighting much uh, after being flagged by USADA. But it is odd to see uh, John Jones not on that list. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's amazing how the UFC or MMA in general, there's so many fights I give a shit about. There's so many. They have the ability to have so many fights. Like the, like the prelims are good. No, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Cub Swanson had a great fight against Kawajiri on the fight pass prelims. And know? we interviewed Cub, and he was awesome. And that was one I didn't see because, again, I got home really late. And I just wanted to see the main card. I had to do a bunch of rewrites on Sunday for something. You know how it is when you're working on a film with Bob De Niro. It's a whole thing, you know. I only correct myself. I'm not working on a film. I had a very small part in a Bob De Niro. They all call him Bob, by the way. Oh, Everyone who knows De Niro calls Yeah, they do. They all call him Bob. And it feels phony for me to call him Bob. I, I mean, I, I've only seen him that one day. I have very brief scenes with him. He plays, it's called The Comedian. He plays a comedian. And I'm one of the comedians at the Comedy Cellar. So it was nice to interact with him briefly in film. You know, it was a, an amazing day. And he was really shy and awesome. I got to take a photo with him. So now I'm just kind of going over, and they're doing like a couple of voiceover lines. So, the, you know, uh, the director, Taylor Hackford, asked me just to kind of, you know, give a couple of ideas. You know, they always have to fix a couple of things here and there for my own voice because, you know, sound didn't get it. Whatever. So they're all talking about, I'm like, yeah, Bob, Bob. And I'm just, I'm just fucking, they mean it, though, because they know him. I, I met him once or worked with him once briefly. And I'm calling him Bob, but I don't want to say that. I, I want to call him Max Cady or fucking Jake LaMotta or Don Corleone. It's hard to call him Bob or refer to him as Bob. Right. So you think Bob is saying that? Yeah, Bob. Every time I say Bob, I'm like, who? You mean Robert De Niro? Say his name. But I guess he prefers 
Bob. Well, you know, the thing is, like, when I've, you know, we've only been working together for a little bit on the show. It's been great. And I've listened to you on the radio for years, and everybody always calls you Jimmy, you know, people that are friends with yes. you. So I'll call you Jimmy sometimes. And I'm like, well, we're not that, you know, like, we're not You can call like me, well, as De Niro said in, uh, in, in uh, this boy's life, you can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for supper. <laughs> Remember that? You, play, you ever see that with DiCaprio? I'm from Concrete, Washington. Uh, this boy's life, and, and what's her name is in it? Uh, Ellen Barkin, who I literally would just fuck her feet if she allowed me to. Not that that's an option, but if it were. But uh, De Niro plays like the stepfather, the douchey stepfather to DiCaprio. It's a true story based on the story of a writer. And um, what we just, oh, he, do, he does an awful joke. Here's what De Niro is so good at. Because he, he's playing a comedian. He's done some really funny comedic shit. Like in, in um, he captured comedian's insecurity in uh, The King of Comedy, where he plays Rupert Pupkin, he captured an, an amazing mentality of, of comedian. Not necessarily good comedians, because he wasn't supposed to be a good comedian, but that to me was, was awesome. He did great bad stand-up in fucking Raging Bull when he was Jake LaMotta. I hope I see him again, because there's a moment in that, if you've seen Raging Bull, where he's doing a joke, and he's in this bar. And actually, it's a bar called Jimmy's, I believe. It's owned by, like, Ali's Cutman's nephew or some shit here in the city. And I did an Amy Schumer scene in there. So I was, like, kind of standing where De Niro told Jake LaMotta's jokes. So he tries to say, hey, you bring your type of girl you bring home to your father if he's a degenerate. But De Niro goes, that's the type of girl you bring home to your father if he's a degenerate. And he just tripped on degenerate. And I, I, the only thing I want to ask him, not can you get me acting work? Not any other fucking questions about acting. Did you mean to trip on Degenerate? Or was that an amazing, just happy accident? Because it was the perfect trip for a fucking comedian. Right, and if he was able to actually do that consciously, it just shows what a brilliant, you know, that's like a microcosm of what kind of an actor he is. Yeah, I don't even know which I'd prefer. Watching him work was weird, too. Um, We're all sitting at the table, and I was surprisingly not, have I talked about this on the show before? I apologize if I'm being redundant. Um, I was surprisingly not nervous because we had to improv a little. I'm not going to say what was happening. I'm just going to say he plays an older comedian who comes by the table at the comedy cellar. And we had to improv a couple of lines about something that had occurred in his life recently. I'll just say that much. And De Niro had a line he had to get to, but he had to you know, talk with us a little bit first. And it was fun to watch him kind of just reach for things and, and be very in that moment. But I was, I was comfortable just because I knew we could improv lines. And we were improving some fucking really like dirty shit to him, like mean shit. And he was laughing. He kept breaking and laughing, which was kind of fun um, to, to make De Niro smile. But then he talked to us all for a while after about comedy. He loves comedians. He loves comedy. And he, he respects it a lot. So uh, it was kind of fun to, again, any other role. Any other scenario, I would have nothing to offer Bob because he is who he is. But like in that role where you're a comic and he's playing a comic, you have something to actually discuss which feels organic. So uh, really, uh, I got a great fucking... I, my, I took a picture with De Niro. I was so happy in my photo. People thought I was putting on a shitty happy face. I'm smiling like such a fucking dumbbell. People thought that I was doing it to be silly. I do a character called Kirk Cinnamon, who people hate because he's happy. He just makes people feel good. Talks like that. You, you, know, you really, people want to bite Kirk's fucking face. I was going to sell shirts that said, kill Kirk Cinnamon. 
And uh, it looks like I'm doing Kirk Cinnamon. If you can see on my Instagram, scroll down a little bit. This Kirk videos and fucking Chip, fucking piece of garbage. Matt Sarah. <laughs> That's Chip. Uh, um, people thought I was doing Kirk Cinnamon. I was so fucking happy in this photo. De Niro's got his hat on. He's so pleased, pleased as punch to be sitting next to me in that moment. What other news here? Oh, Connor. Conor McGregor predicts, I like Conor more when he's soft-spoken. Like, after a loss, I really liked him after he lost to Nate Diaz. Yeah, I think he gained fans after that, just watching him be like, look, you, lose, you, know, you win or you learn. That's his, his saying, but that's the truth. He lost and he, he was humble about it, and he's coming back now. I genuinely liked Conor a lot after that loss, listening to him. You always like a guy who can be humble. It's really weird. Like, that type of stuff does matter. Like, at the end, in round five of Rodriguez Caceres, uh, Caceres threw his arms out for a big fucking hug, and they hugged it. And a lot of guys don't like that, but I do, man. It's like, these guys are fucking killers. If, do they need to prove to you that they're killers by putting on fake faces? It's like two guys in there fighting for five rounds. I mean, Jesus, whatever they do. To, you know, to congratulate each other for still being there in that shit altitude. Yeah, absolutely. Altitude matters, okay? Uh... I remember the Aspen Comedy Festival, which no longer exists. It was originally the Vale Comedy Festival, to bore people with facts that are completely irrelevant to UFC. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's good. I'm, I, I fucking put the cough button and I cough really loud. It gets picked up by the room ambience. The room ambience. Woody Allen. So uh, I'm up in uh, the uh, Aspen Comedy Festival. And the altitude up there is a bitch in Denver. Higher in Aspen. So it's really hard to breathe. So a lot of times by the comedy stages, they have oxygen tents. And I was up there. It was 2006. Louis C.K. and I were doing shows. I think Chelsea Handler opened the show. This is before she got famous. And uh, it was to promote Lucky Louie at the time. And I left the Aspen Comedy Festival a day early because Black Sabbath was being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in March of 2006. And I said, if I get snowed in here, I'll commit a murder in the airport. And um, I left. I canceled the show, and I left on that the day before to get home. And, ch chance and the storm did come, and they got snowed in. So I probably would have hung myself. Yeah. Because possibly the greatest night of my life was seeing Black Sabbath inducted in the Waldorf Astoria. But anyway, uh, up in Aspen, Rich Voss. Do you guys know Rich Voss? Do you know Rich Voss? Yeah, of course. Very funny guy. If you don't know Rich Voss, uh, he's a caustic Jewish comedian. He's mean. He's Aspergery. Uh, he doesn't like being touched. We always think he's a little autistic. Like, I like to touch him and hug him because he hates it. Like, he'll be on the, uh, the show with Opie and myself in the morning, and I'll just caress his forearm, and he just... You know what I mean? He's, he's either just autistic or he's been molested a lot, even into adult life. He just doesn't like being touched. So I like to hug him. But Voss was up there and he had to follow George Carlin. Uh, I wish this was recently because I mean Voss is dead. But uh, this was when George was alive. And he had to follow him and he had a panic attack and had to take oxygen. And I think he had to go to the emergency room and he couldn't go on stage. Oh, Voss makes me happy. But that, uh, that oxygen deprivation, even for a dumb comedian, means something. It's really, you know... <sighs> You really fucking feel it. And I don't know how long it takes to adapt. Is Mexico higher than Denver? I don't know if it's... It might be this about the same, honestly. I can look it up. Hold on. Because we're north and south, I always think that Mexico is lower altitude. It's amazing what a fucking six-year-old boy I am when it comes to geography. You know, because Mexico is farther down, so it must be lower altitude. So McGregor, who I was mentioning, predicted a second-round finish against Nate Diaz uh, on August the 20th here at 2.02. He's this time... I'm going to march forward. I'm still going to press him. I'm still going to bust him. That's the terrible accent, by the way. There's just going to be a lot more in my tank. 
I'm just going to be a lot more prepared for a man who can stay in there with me. But even still, I struggle to give him past round three. If I was to make a prediction, which I will right now, I believe I will repay the favor and KO him inside the second round. You know, Connor is a fucking a ballsy character, man. Yeah, he's not afraid to put pressure on himself. And that's the thing, like... <clears throat> I respect Eddie. Obviously, it'd be a, an amazing fight to see him fight Connor. But Connor has that has belief in himself, regardless of what you know other fighters are going to say. Connor is a very again a tough guy. He has a tremendous amount of heart, and he's a very skilled, accurate striker. But Eddie Alvarez is a just a savage guy. I mean, you know what he did to Los Angeles. You know. Or the fight with Melendez, he's he's a frightening dude, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, and this is stuff that we've seen over the last you know year or so. When you see Ronda lose to Holly Holm, and then and then you see you know Eddie really ascending here, it's a it's a game of you got to put years in, and that's sort of the thing with Connor. It's not like he's a, a slouch and he hasn't been involved in the game for that long. But there sometimes are guys that have been putting it in even longer than you, and it just takes a lo- like when he ran into Nate. Nate has just been fighting for. Forever, you know, yeah. and that, the, it takes a long time to develop those skills to that highest level. And and Holly has lost both fights since. I mean, I respect Holly for getting out there. I mean, again, Misha, Holly's uh, arms were still going. Like she went out like a fucking champion. Like she did not give up. She's really a tough individual. And then she loses a five round uh, decision to Shevchenko. So, you know, she's zero two since that. Right? You know, sometimes you wonder if you win a fight like you beat Ronda Rousey for the first time. Is there an, an, an adrenaline dump after it that lasts for a while? Or is it harder? Again, when you're champion defending your belt, I'm sure you get, you, you're, you're ready. But is it harder to not be fighting to take the belt from the one who they said was unbeatable? Like, you know, I don't know the mentality of a fighter on that level. But they, they would probably say, no, it's all the same. But it's got to be. Because how many of them have lost on their first defense recently? There's been a lot of belt changes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in recent times. So uh, Michael Bisping, one of my favorite people, and, and Louis J. Gomez does a podcast with Michael Bisping. The name of it I don't remember, but it's on SiriusXM. They do a show together, and it's a good show. Uh, Louis is a good MMA guy, weird guy in person, uh, but, uh, but he really knows MMA, and of course so does Michael Bisping. The Count! Uh, they are Bisping Henderson, too. You know, Michael wants to avenge that loss. One of the, the most highlighted knockout punches, the second punch, let's be real honest, I'm sure Henderson would admit, was probably unnecessary. Who jumped, uh, Chris, you might remember, I want to say it was this weekend, or it was a fight very recently where there was a, oh, the Robbie Lawler fight. Tyron, now, I want, are these guys in the moment? Tyron jumped down and hit him. Was it on the neck? Am I thinking of Tyron Woodley? After he knocked Robbie Lawler, he came down and yes. hit him again. Was it on the neck, not the face? It was uh, in the... Towards the jaw, but... But did he know that he's out? Like, I would love to ask Dan Henderson. I mean, again, in those moments, until the ref stops it, man, these guys can get up and start fighting again, so you don't want to, you know, give a guy a break and then he gets up and fucking taps you, but, you know, do they just like getting in an extra punch once in a while? I or? mean, that Henderson one, because of all the bad blood between the two of them, that one seemed like he... It didn't matter what, what happened after the first shot, he was probably going to give him another one. Yeah, Henderson went out to dinner and came back and then threw that second punch. I mean, but, that was a long one. Then you look at a guy like Mark Hunt, who, when he knocked out, uh, I believe, Bigfoot Silver recently, he caught him and just turned his back and walked away. He knew he was done, you know? That was amazing, too, after the five-round draw they fought to. One, that might be the best fight I've ever seen, um, excitement-wise. Not the most... You know, you've seen better knockouts, of course. You've seen bigger highlights. But that might be the, the most just two fucking hard-hitting, tough heavyweights beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, just an absolute war. 
Uh, so Bisping Henderson too. It's going to be for obviously the middleweight title, and it's Uf- uh, UFC two hundred four, October the eighth in Manchester Arena in England. That's one I will not be attending, of course. But uh, ooh, that's going to be. A- I don't know who I want to win that because I know Michael. I don't know Dan H- Henderson. One of my favorite fighters, but I think because I know Michael, I got to pull for him because once you know someone and you've interacted with them and they're just such nice guys, I want to see Bisping hold on to that belt for a little while. I don't want to see him just win it and then and then lose it. And I want to know when he's going to fight uh, Rockhold again. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they got to, you know, they'll go through this fight. I, I don't know if I, I think Rockhold actually is injured right now, so oh. there might be a little bit of a hold up there. And uh, St. Pierre has opened as the betting favorite in a hypothetical matchup against Tyron Woodley. Wow. I'm shocked at that. Again, not that GSP isn't one of the greatest fighters of all time. And guys will give you different points of view on ring rust. But Jesus, you know, over Tyron Woodley, I don't know. Well, and GSP is a guy that has admitted to ring rust before. He said it, that's a legitimate thing, you know. So yeah, but some fighters will go, no, I don't. You know, very few is very early. Like Dominic Cruz does not believe in it. Well, he might. He actually might be the exception to the rule. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're almost done. I mean, um, we did a, a little while. It was a fun one today. I mean, we missed Matt, of course. Um, Matt will not be here for this next one either. It, just logistics. He's out shooting with the boss. But I'm going to miss some, too, once in a while, my stand-up schedule. I'm going to Australia, as I've said. Occasionally, here and there, I'll be gone, and Matt will pick up the slack and bring somebody else in. Matt's a great... Uh, I enjoy doing this with Matt Sarah very much. He's a fun, nice guy. He's just a fun dude. He's exactly the guy you think he is. Oh, there's no difference from the guy that you're hearing on the, uh, on the episode to when he just walks in the door or whatever. Yeah, he's a good guy. But I, I said one of my favorite things is when Matt wants something, he doesn't want to say, could you get me? He's like, what's the coffee situation? <laughs> He'll just, he asks the question, hey, how's that air conditioning? You know? Yeah, that's exactly right. No, I mean, that wasn't a joke in the last episode. No. First thing he did when he walked in, he's like, how we got the air? The air's good? How we doing in here? And I was like, yeah, it's on. And that's how a real tough guy asks. Like, you know, a little bully would try to go, hey, why don't you put the air on? Matt doesn't need to do that. How's the air conditioner doing? And you're like, oh, all right. Matt's eyelids are sweating. But again, that's just that guy who, his, his body's different than mine, man. He just sweats. I'm not a sweater. Even my balls smell good. You've commented on that. Matt's commented on that. I appreciate it. It's nice of you to say. But even my bag is not bad. All right. Thank you guys for listening. It's not the same without Matt Sarah. But thank you to the great Eddie Alvarez. We plugged where he is going to be in Philadelphia. So if you guys want to go down there, again, tonight, Tuesday, go down there and check him out. He's uh, celebrating. What's the name of the place? Do you remember? I don't remember. Chicky and something? Yeah, Chicky. I can't remember, but it's Fuck. Chicky something in Philadelphia. If you're in Philly, there's, how many Chicky places could there be? So go congratulate Eddie Alvarez, a you know, really, really nice guy and a fun guest. And um, I guess that's it. So coming up this Thursday, we will have uh, my pal Joe Rogan is going to be on. I have to call Joe today, too. I, I, he's a good guy to ask for advice, and business advice. He's like a real entrepreneur. I don't know if a lot of people know how smart Rogan is with business. And Larry King, if he's yeah. alive, will call in. I'm sure he would appreciate that. He takes HGH, too. Larry King looks fucking good. He used to always ask stupid questions, though, which we always enjoyed. You know, when he was interviewing Denise Brown, Nicole, he called her. <laughs> Couldn't have called her a wronger name. Where, uh, when he introduced Motley Crue years ago, do you remember that? When he was like, uh, he introduced them at the LA Forum. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Motley Crue. <laughs> we teased him a lot about that. The Motley Crue. It's perfect, though. He's, uh, he's interviewed everyone. He knows everyone. So tune in for that. People are like, oh, Larry King. What? He's fascinating. He's a fascinating guy who has met and talked to everyone. I love interviewing him, too, because he knew 
I believe it was Larry King, or was it uh, Dick Cavett? One of those guys. I think it was Larry. He knew Jackie Gleason. And um, I think he said that Gleason got him Sinatra for his radio show. You don't meet many guys that have hung out with Jackie Gleason or knew him or knew Sinatra. So he was, uh, no, Dick Cavett was the one who was with Brando when he broke that paparazzi's jaw. All right, now I'm just telling old showbiz stories that aren't mine. That's how you know you're fucking time to wrap up the UFC podcast. You know, you know, Judy Garland did a lot of heroin and fell asleep on a houseboat. <laughs> Fucking asshole I am. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. I'll see you Thursday. Goodbye. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.